1614, the apostate Samuel Friedrich Brenz wrote a book, which was a common genre at the time, where Yidin who went off wrote books about what all the bad things Jews do that Christians don't like, or how Jews are really bad. And it was a whole genre. There's, there's tons of them. And he wrote a book in 1614 called Yiddisher Let's read one quote, which kind of sets the tale for what we're going to speak about today. He says, The Jews also consume much garlic, particularly on Christmas night. If one asks the reason, the answer is so that the tola, that is the hanged one, is dishonored, or so they might stink more. They inform their servants that God has imposed upon Jesus that on Christmas night, when the Christians are more devout than on any other night, he must crawl through all the latrines. In the same Christmas night, the Jews are very merry and spend their time playing, eating, and drinking. The reason that they give is that the Tyler has a better rest in the house in which they study and pray. Therefore, by not studying or praying, he is not able to crawl through the corners of these houses, but must remain in the latrines. What we see here is he's discussing what is arguably the earliest Makar for not learning, eating garlic, partying on Christmas night. And we'll see that, well, this sounds kind of off and connected to what we would normally think, you know, we should do as Yidin. It has a relatively well-documented by these type of sources. I mean, the catch-22 being, you're not going to have an explicit source that says, hey, when the Christians are out doing their thing, we're kind of mocking them and, and having a party and not learning and anything like that. So the catch-22 is that the typical sources where you would normally expect to find the minig do not, as a general rule, discuss this. It's not in Shulchanar, it's not in Gemara, it's not in Rambam, none of these the usual places you would look. None of the normal Menhagen farm really discuss it. <coughs> the first real Makar that is not from an apostate seems to be from the Chavaziar. Chavaziar and Makar Chaim. Chavaziar was going to write a Sefer on Shulchan Aruch, and he got all the way to the city. He had written this whole Sefer, and he gets there, and he realizes, wait, the Muggen of Rum wrote it already, so I don't need to write this. And so he said, I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> he saw the Taz and the Muggen of Rum had already decided, so he wrote a saver called Makar Chaim, but he, he left it in Saviyat. It wasn't published till the 80s by Makhan Yerushalayim, and in there he has a one-liner that basically says, um, the exact Russian, he says, in Simon Kufnun, hey, Minik Bittel Halimud Belel Chag doesn't say what holiday he's referring to, but in the yard in the Siv, which is the index to all of his writings, it seems to imply that he's talking about Christmas. We don't know if he's pro, we don't know if he's anti, this is the late 1600s. We're not exactly sure when he wrote it, because it never really got published. Um, late 1600s. So that's the first, quote-unquote, from source we have for the idea that people are not learning on Christmas. Before we get into the rest of the Menhagen, um, let's take a step back and see. The, the name of the show, I think, was Nithil. Why? What is Nithil? What is the name Nithil? What is it? What is it? How is it spelled? This is a tough for a test. Um, it's brought down early. It's already by the Rishonim. The concept that there is a holiday named Mitzel exists. Um, they all seem to be discussing Christmas, though Tzitzur Rebbeinu Rochanan and Avodah Zarah seems to say that it's talking about a different saint's day. Um, <coughs> to just a, a couple of the people who discussed it, as I was miming the Smag, the Arshusayim. They quote Shem the Rishbam, the Rashi uses the term Nitzel. It's 
it exists as a as a holiday. Nittel either comes from um, Natal that he that he was killed, he's taken and killed on Christmas, which is a little strange because, as we are somewhat aware, Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus as opposed to the death of Jesus. Um, or it can mean no, um, it's Rashi Tevis. They bring down Noelid Yeshu Test the Tevis, which we'll get to. That was he born on Test Tevis? Is there a Shita like that? In reality, it probably comes from the Latin of Natale Dominus or Dies Natalis, which comes from the birth of our Savior. Now, neonatal, natal, birth, birth, Natalis. So that's where it realistically comes from. There's only really one source in the Rishonim that uses the term Noel. That's the eighth Chaim who hung out in London. Um, he uses the term Noel, and because so few people seem to have known what it meant, they actually corrected it in one of the editions to Nittel because they didn't know what he was talking about. Um, so there is a concept that Christians have for Christmas. We'll see that what day do they celebrate Christmas. So we... It's December 25th today. That seems to be the day that the vast majority of Christians celebrate it. Um, the difference, you'll see some of the people do it on January 6th or 7th, 5th, depending which kufa they're in. Um, they would... Uh, it's mostly the easiest breakdown is because it's the difference between the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar. Greek Orthodox Church kept it on January 6th. The Catholic Church kept it on December 25th. Um, in... What year was it? They switched the calendar in 15, switched it in 1582. October 4th, the next day became October 15th. So you switch everything off by 15 days, so that's how you end up with, it was always December 25th, and then when they switched it became October, uh, January 6th. Hmm? Right, 11 days. So <coughs> that that seems to be the, the major distinction. It's because of the calculation of the calendar, or leap years, not only leap years, but uh, to go down that rabbit hole of why it's just boring calendar stuff. Um, <coughs> the question is, when did they start really keeping Christmas? Because um, we'll see that affects why we're doing what we do. Um, it seems that the Christians in general did not really care about the birth of Jesus. They didn't have a, a Messiah as to when he was born until roughly the 5th century or so. They started to float dates. And the dates are all over the place. Uh, the Pascha Campatas puts it around, around 243, puts it around March 28th. Clements puts it in August 28th or May 20th or November 18th. Fitzmaier puts it, he's a current theologian, he, he says it's probably September 11th. So as we notice, none of them are December 25th. So there's a popular theory that is floated. Um, Lawrence Sullivan has a whole share on, uh, you know, why we, the real story behind Christ, Christmas, that the Christians in their concept of religious syncretism, they were trying to push the religion, and so they took um, an existing religion in an area they were hanging out, that they were trying to spread to, and they said, okay, keep your religion, but we're gonna, just going to say that instead of uh, worshipping the sun god, which would be Saul Invictus, which would be the um, the sun growing larger, right? It's the winter solstice, right? We're going to get to Kufa. The winter solstice around December, somewhere around December 25th, depending which season, depending which century, it can go as late as January 5th, 6th, which is part of the reason some of these things came to be. Um, there's an existing Roman 
um, holiday that worships the sun god. It's uh, Sol Invictus is the main name, but there is also Saturnalia, which shows up in the Mishnah and Abedazara. <coughs> so that's the theory that the, the Catholics decided religious syncretism. You keep your holiday, we'll reclaim certain, we'll say you're really worshiping Jesus and you're remembering Jesus, but you're, you're you know, not the sun anymore, but it's the same time period. The earliest Makar by the Christians seems that such a that such an idea is floated is usually tied to someone named Syracuse in the fourth century, but when you actually look up the source, closer to the eleventh century, and it's a gloss on a manuscript that probably came from later. Ironically, there is a Jewish source that puts that story in play. There is, and we'll get to this in a, in a minute. The um, well, let's, we can jump to it here. Part of the what happens on, on Tisha B'Tavis. Miguel's Highness says that we, we fast in Tisha B'Tavis, but it doesn't say why. So there are all sorts of answers, and last year we discussed that one of them would be that Peter was sent out to fix Christianity, so to speak, so that it would be a separate religion. And we didn't want to tell anybody about it, so we didn't write it down. The other reason that it's floated is Rav Rambachia wrote a sefer called Sefer HaIbur, in 1122, he argues that Jesus was born on December 25th because he did the math in Kufa, and he said it fell on that year, it fell on, on Pestavit. But his Lushan is interesting, and it should be read in full in the sense that he predates this theory of, of um, religious syncretism. Who know the very Mishnah is given a lot from Tafshin Tamachal for Bria Sa'ilam? Asim Chamish Yom Nechadis Daigaber. December, who Yam Shabbos Yam Tisha Bateve Shnas Yudchas and Master Kufar Chesfresh Venenu, Roy Hoya Hayam Hazel Hoylet by a Russia Hazem Dream Emma. Abel ain't all the Mamel and the Dream Oyam of Latest Patoli. We don't believe their dates. Shahim Yodi Yoyma Shahoya Bukhafe with December Kihad Dover Hazel in a Kostal Hamba Vangilian. It's not written in the Gospel. The label Tisha Tamina Machis, and it's not written in the in the Church Fathers. He continues and he says they took over the the existing holiday. <coughs> so you see that the idea of religious syncretism, um, that they're basing it on the Moilid or the Kufa at that time, the the um the vert was the the solstice, the longest night. Everything afterwards becomes what do you call it? It becomes the sun the night gets shorter. So there are so we've seen that there's okay, so depending on the date, it's either the twenty fifth or the sixth or seventh. We now know it's Christmas. Maybe Christmas was what they said it was, probably not. Probably pre existing holiday, which is Kufa, which is interesting because and the main Focus. I want to focus on is when we don't, when we have a minute, a set of minhagim, we do not have a verified reason behind the minute. When you don't go to your normal shulchan aruch or minhagim, Isaac Turner, Kleisner, or Kolbei, or the Abu Drum or anything, they don't have a specific reason given. So then, you are somewhat free to give other reasons. And I want to show what happens when. What I just want to survey some of them. There are more articles and shirim given about Mithil. Had they bothered to let people learn, none of these would have existed. It, everyone's rewriting, and the problem is that everyone's copying from the first guy or copies from the first guy, and like one mistake will end up compounding, and everyone ends up quoting it. 
and you gotta double check the sources. They'll say, oh, he says it's because it's Kufa, and then you look it up and there's nothing to do with Kufa, it's talking about something else. But I want to roughly break down what the Minhagim are. We'll go through a little bit about each of the Minhagim. There is way more on pretty much every one of the Minhagim, and on the reasons, the reasons, especially once you enter the world of Swedish Tyre on it, it, it goes off and it's in the Dover site. Um, so if they were trying not to learn Tyra, they've created far more Tyra than they ever could have imagined. <coughs> but, and then we're just going to see, we'll take a survey of some of the main answers and then tie it, wrap it up. So, as we saw in the beginning from the apostate, and there's uh, a handful of apostates, they really predate the, the earliest sources we have. They're the first ones that all discuss a common theme. There is no learning, Jews eating garlic, um, not to have Tashmish or that the mikvah is closed. <coughs> um, people playing cards and partying. And reading told the Yeshua. So it seems you, you can't learn, you can't go out, and you're having a party, you've got to learn something, you've got to read something, so you read told the Yeshua, which is our, as we discussed before, is our take on what happened with Jesus and the whole, the whole backstory. So <coughs> let's just discuss some of them. The not learning Tyra, the main source that we should deal with is Chsam Seifer. Chsam Seifer has three chuvas to discuss mythal in general. Two of them focus on the learning and one on the card playing. And Chsam Seifer is the first who tells us there really is no reason. Right? Chsam Seifer says, Leshemati Tam Makubal Bizeh. In Chuvah Laman Alpha, Kardis Chuvah, he says he heard from his rabbi of Nelson Adler. With Nelson Adler said, similar to the carbon Sanal, that it was a din in a veilus, that because Jesus was born and so much bad came out of that event, that it's a veilus that we don't learn, there's no Tashmish, and you're, you're not going anywhere. So, some Sefer says, I don't get it. He also says that the rules all seem to change at Chatzai. He says, where do we have a case where we have a veilus up to Chatzai, but then it's not, and he says, what does that have to do with garlic? What does that have to do with... He doesn't, he doesn't like the answer. And you see that he's trying to deal with whatever answer he gives, you have to answer up pretty much all the Menhagim in general. He wasn't necessarily focusing on one or, or another. Um, he wasn't picking them out. <coughs> so he, he floats the idea that if you, the Christians go out, they're in church on Christmas night, and they're dominating. Or they're, you know, and if we're all sleeping, it looks bad. It looks bad that upstairs that, you know, look, they're dominating and you guys are sleeping. So he says what they wanted to do is they wanted to ban people from learning in the, middle, in the beginning of the night so they could go to sleep at the beginning of the night so they'd be up at Chatzai so they could counteract that the church is, in, is, is full and we'd also be learning. It's great. So he's answered up that aspect and he says if you ban Tashmish that explains what this way you're allowed to go to, you have no reason to be up so you're going to be sleeping and great. That's, he then spends the next two bashing card, card games. He says you really shouldn't allow it. Um, he says, tell me the chum, don't do it. He says, but he sees now that when he tried to ban it, that the, uh, that the um, people got worse. They just became much as late and they did nothing. So he says that it's, you know, it was a good idea to let them play cards. At least they kept busy. So, <coughs> so that's one mahala that it's available. That, that seems to be what he's saying from his Rabbi of Nelson Adler and, and Carbon Masano says similar, that it's like Tishbuk. So it's an Avelis type din. 
the more practical one that is quoted the most. So card playing, so already by the apostate, you see that card playing is already in, in the works. Then he says, not everyone, maybe with the kids. Kids need to be keep busy, so you let them play cards. But chess is a Chabad thing for the most part. It seems to be a Chabad thing. So, but, but in typical Chabad form, they then come up with a whole pirate why it was chess that he was playing, because we're all pawns, and to show you that Hashem is the king, and we're all pawns in his world. There was a video, I'm sure you saw the one that was going around, that they had some chess guy in Chabad was playing 120 kids at the same time last night, because they weren't learning, because they were playing chess. Maybe they took the tunnels uh, from 770 to get there. But... <coughs> So that's the that's the Kabbalah. Most common answer given really is is the answer that Tom and Hagen brings. Tom and Hagen brings from the Sefer Lukute Pardis. Good luck finding what Sefer he's talking about. For his, all practical purposes, at least according to Mark Shapiro, there is no such Sefer. I mean, there is a Sefer that usually quotes from Rashi. has nothing to do with it. It seems to have been he's misquoting a Sefer Kute Tzvi. There's notes on it from a Moscow in the 19th century arguing that it was dangerous to go out. It was just a practical consideration. Practical consideration, if, Jew, if the Christians are going out to, to Christmas Mass, they're out in the street, they're drunk, they're partying, they're going to come and hurt the Jews if they're out and about. So it answers why people are not going to the next book, people are not going out to learn. It sounds like a great idea. It seems to tie up everything really nicely. Except there's not a single source that says you don't dive in Myers. So, and not only that, as, as Rabbi Nyman said uh, yesterday, the, one of the earliest menhagim uh, we have about the Nittel uh, is Yitzchai Zikterna and his menhagim says that, on, that he doesn't say it, the Haggais on the Sefer, which were written probably a hundred years later, no one's exactly sure who wrote them, uh, the best treatment uh, to see the discussion of who wrote them is in Phil Goldhaber's article in New Shastenu, about when he goes to town on whether or not, when it says Mechastus is a Schreifer, it means to cover it or to test it. He goes through our research because the first Makarius there are in the Haggaz and Isaac Turner as well. But he says you say Elenu, or at least Mishtachim Lehevelurik, out loud. Which means somebody's dominating Meir. Or, I guess, Mincha before, but it sounds like Meir is what he's talking about. So, if it's completely a safety-based thing, then you'd assume that they wouldn't it would, also, it doesn't answer why they couldn't learn at home. So some people say, no, practically speaking, all the svarim in those days were in the shul. Nobody had svarim at home, and you know, so they had to go to shul, and so we're trying to keep them away from going to shul. It's a nice idea. It makes a lot of sense. There is a that it was a really bad time for Jews. Uh, up until the 19th century in Rome, the Pope would have, they would make the Jewish community run naked through the streets of Rome at, on Christmas Eve, and they would chase them and, and taunt them and throw stuff at them. Um, there's it is all over the place throughout history that whenever the Christians get together for a holiday, it's dangerous. The Yosef Oymitz brings down, in general, don't go out when it's a, a Christian holiday. He's not tying it to Christmas. He seems to be just as equal in Easter. That may have been because of passion plays, but it's the same thing. It's dangerous when they're out and about at night. So that's the safety mouse. So we've got safety and availus. Um... The most, the most, the most popular one, if you ask the average person, is the regal Yeshara, that is the Bnei Yisrael. Bnei Yisrael says that Yeshu Hanaychi Hu Klipas Oiriv, and this is above my pay grade, but he goes into the details of 
Chupas and and that if you're learning, you're being mechazik them. Chabad has a similar mahalach that your 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 learning somehow strengthens um, Jesus or any Torah he may have learned when he was alive, similar to the Berhetiv in the concept that when a person learns whatever they learned when they were in sin in, on Olam it has to be fixed within their own but it's the Hyben Azachim but that seems to be how to see them run with it that what? well we know who his Rebbe was right? but typically so he finishes off the Rebbe Shara finishes off he says Kvarshamanu Mimagide Emes Sh'irim Maisis Hamamon Pa'amen Bolelm Natilose Va'akirose Min Ha'olam so he says that's the night he was taken and killed from this world. Because the klipa of Erev is, is, or Jesus is uh, characterizes a klipa of a dog. And so, as an aside, to go to what Yankee saying is, you said he learns very true and practically, right? But then we end up with the whole, the date spent one. Right? So, Gemara says he's killed Pesach time. Right? Easter. I mean, even there, Mokar has it, has it. But here we're saying he dies, he dies in Christmas. So you end up with the whole two Jesus scenario, which, you know, the Ramban quotes that the Yavitz is the biggest proponent. Um, Goldhaber has a great share on it in Yiddish if you want to spend an hour and 45 minutes learning every person who will ever discuss the concept of two Jesus in, in Halacha. It's off, yeah, it's completely off. It's, it's not, it doesn't make sense. Right, they're, they're off. They're off by a solid hundred. It's not an, but it also, but the, the two Jesus one doesn't really make a ton of sense either. Right? Wait, the two guys, same name, both Mesa's idea, both got killed, but different time periods. I, I get there was a popular name, you know, but since then, how many have there been? Okay, yeah, uh, I'm not arguing the other. It's not my position, you know. It, if it works, it works. Who? Yeah, yeah. They, in, in the Vikuach, it's, it's, they have to, because otherwise, it's the easiest way to say, we're not bashing your guy, we're bashing the different guy that nobody remembers. <coughs> so we've got safety, Kabbalah, Avelis. So, Tkufa is, is the fun one. Tkufa, Tkufa is a halakha that we really deserves its own share, maybe one day. Halakha and Shulchan that four times a year you don't drink water. Uh, the two solstices and the two equinoxes. And it's for an hour or so, give or take, the, the water is dangerous. And the, it's an early, an early, early minute. Uh, we've ate this in the truth of Dainim, uh, they asked of Haigain, what's the story with the water? And he says, yeah, you got to worry about it. It's, you know, it's thing. Uh, the other drum brings the, the basic minute, uh, the basic reasoning behind it. Is, um, so there are four, he brings there are four malachim that are in charge of the safety of the water and they switch from time to time. So there's a moment when the waters are not protected and the only way to protect it is to put a piece of metal in the water or to cover it. You get into a visit Mordechai about you know, let's say you had Mayim Shalanu and then you didn't cover it, and then what do you do? Does the mitzvah protect you? They, they took this seriously. In some Tzvarty shows, I think they still make the announcement when Kufa is to be careful. Um, in general, we really don't do it. But 
the four, th what four things happened historically that all of the world's water supply turned to blood and at those times. So you have... Um, so Teves is when Yiftach's daughter was killed. Um, Tish... Hmm? And the Shefet. Tkuvis uh, Tamas is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Moshe Iron to hit the, the rock. Then all the water turned to blood. Um, then Tkuvis Tishrei is Avram went to Shech Yitzchak and he hit a drop of blood and all of the world's water switched. And then there is one more. There is this one. First one. Oh, no, Nissan. That's the easy one. Magdam. Magdam. So, how this exactly ties, how Tkufa is supposed to tie? We know Tkufa falls roughly around, roughly around this time of the year. It ranges depending historically on the calendar moves, and it's not exact. Sometimes it's around January 6th, sometimes it's the 5th, sometimes it's the 7th, and beforehand it would have been in December. The swarm who deal with this, who push the idea that it's Kufa that we're worried about, and it's a dangerous time of the year, that we shouldn't learn because it's dangerous, we shouldn't go out, it's dangerous, they, they all seem to cite to, to different, and I think there's a, the Shamshim Asphalt says that, you know, the minute, or Yaris Vash says that the whole month of Tamas is, is, of Teves is, is bad, and there's Klippus again, that are, you know, powers that be that we don't want to we don't want to mess with. They, <coughs> it would be interesting because if the Christians co-opted the existing sun god holiday, which was because of Kufa, and it, we ended up going back to the original source, so to speak, why we're not doing something. It's nothing to do with Christmas, it's because it's pre-Christmas. Um, the Rukas of Baisim has a cute, has a cute line. He says that Ace last Hashem and Shirat Sefa is Gematria Zu Shosh at Kufa's Teves Nispelos But It's a little weird though that we're not going to learn this time period. The Prisha says specifically that the Nature says that Kufa uh, Tamas, the nights in, in the winter in Tamas are specifically when you're supposed to learn. They're long for a reason so that you have time to learn. So he would seem to not go with this whole idea. <coughs> the so how did the Christians get to the 25th if it wasn't the just as an aside how did they get to the 25th if it wasn't if it wasn't that they took over an existing holiday the general consensus seems to be that Annunciation Day which is the day that Mary found out she was pregnant is nine months was March 25th it had to be around Pesach time nine months later is December 25th and you end up with with what do you call it you end up with that date <coughs> So let's just go through some of them and hug them quickly, and then we'll get to the last of the reasons, which is a little different than the other one. Um, there's Adis about, the earliest Adis really about closing the mixes would be the Chupas Chassanim, 1797. He quotes it from the Tzavah Rehuda The problem is Tzavah, basically every Tzavah pre the Chupas Chassanim does not have it. Um, so far so that if you get your typical favorite season today, it doesn't have it. The Eitzra Paiskin edition put it in based on, they wrote it up themselves, basically quoting the Kodesh Kassanim, saying that he says it, oh, and we kind of found in the first region of the Eretz Eden from the Rekech that, oh, maybe there's a concept also that you should do, um, uh, you, need chuva, you need to do tshuva if 
you were to, to, to have relations on Nittel. So, until the Kumskhan, afterwards they found that if you Kumskhan lived in, in Italy, and if you look in the earliest Tisayadis in Italy, there seems to have been an addition that was floating around that did have this written down, Mishem Lezudo Kafi. It's a little odd. You'd think that if the issue is a Huji Uji one, so to speak, that the Chidi Ashkenaz would be all over it. I mean, it's right up their wheelhouse. And yet, they don't really mention it. So, the Satmar Rebbe was actually, was very, was, anecdotally, supposedly, KJ actually has mixed his clothes, so, but the, the Adis of Satmar Rebbe didn't, wasn't a fan. He would let people go. Um, the Debertini says, Machmar Tavalim Bracha. Shevet Levi says, okay, up until Chatzais, but after Chatzais, you can't stop people. Um, the Yimsechayim, which is fascinating that this is the only real Makar we have to this. So, Chassidim are very, are the ones who have basically been the, the carriers of, throughout history of this minig. They're the ones who push it. They're the ones who still are, what do you call it? They're the ones who still to stick to it. The Yimsechayim, though, is Reb Chaim Palaji. Chaim Palaji, uh, like, <laughs> to sum it up, <laughs> they asked they asked Yosef, Asfardi asked him, what's the story with this nipple thing that they don't learn and this? And he goes, we don't know anything about it. The Sardim don't have anything to do with it. He then proceeds to cite the whole Sam Cypher and a couple other things. I think he quotes the the, the Sastra. And he basically says, like, it's for them, let them do their thing. It's, it's, not, it's not for us. But the Ruchayim Palaji in his Yim Sechayim says, what's, what's the problem with, with, um, with Mikvah on on uh, Nitonait. So Rukhayim Palaji is quoting a saver which is that nobody else seems to have that quote a best that says that this is where Mishimadim come from in general. That people who didn't follow this rule. Ask a friend who Bucky in Chesidisha Minhagim Taira, and I said, it's a little weird. You've got the B'nai Yisrael is the first real source in Chesidisha Taira that pushes this idea that there's, you know, Nittal is, is a thing. He's not the first generation. He's like closer to the fifth generation. He's a hundred years after the best, and there's nobody before him really. So, We'll see. The Chdusha Rim used to tear toilet paper on that night. They were mocked on it. The, the, the Shinnevers, they kept it. Munkach kept it. They all, all the major Chidas had some affinity to the Minig in general, but it's a little strange that from the best up until the Bnei Sosser, nobody seems to talk about it. <coughs> um, they asked uh, the Truvis on Hagas, and Sturmach says that these days the Christians aren't from, you know, they're not going to church. So if they're not going to church, we can be makele on all these things because it means the klipas are not so strong. So that's just the concept of of closing the mixes. Next minig is the garlic. So we dealt with the learning, we dealt with the tashmish. Garlic. So garlic's an interesting one. So we've got the apostates discussing garlic, that the Jews reek of garlic. And so when Brent's book came out, a couple of years later, there was a rebuttal, so to speak, from a Zalman Svi Eufheisen. 
And we know next to nothing about him. Eisenstein in his Eitz of Kuchen brings the whole the whole thing. And on page 174 he says, which is he's referring to Bren. He says, He basically says, Look, they're not going to work the next day to deal with Gaia. They don't care if the breath stinks. Well, give them a break. They knew they weren't going to work. They weren't going to mess anything up. They let them, let them eat their garlic. So that's how he dealt with that's how he dealt with the with the garlic idea. <coughs> there is a very interesting halacha when it comes to garlic. The Siach, the true Siach Yitzchak brings the there is a minute brought in Tam and Hagen, so this is not like super obscure. That if a person goes to the Beisachayim on Tishabov. Tam Shabbat Tishabov Matilin Shum Al Beisachvaris. You bring garlic with you to the Beisachvaris. Shum Merviachas Hutsainim. Garlic is an apotropic item that keeps away the the demons and bad things. Holy Matzurin Yochol Yochayim Minatal Yidei Tarud Tuya. The Ein Lahem Achiza. So normally on a day that's not Tishabov, you have Tarud and Mitzvahs protecting you, but you don't have Tarud on Tishabov. So you should you need something else now. In popular culture, the only time we ever hear of garlic protecting anybody is vampires. And that comes from the Middle Ages. It's the same thing. It's well documented that garlic garlic was a thing to uh, to keep away bad things. Um, hmm? Yeah. The garlic brand garlic. Right? Yeah. Soup. So the Arizal, they cite this to the Arizal that this is the reason behind the thing. And it's interesting because the Arizal would be the king of knowing clippers and stuff like that. And yet the Arizal doesn't mention anything about Mitzvah. Which goes to the whole question. The Sardim don't know anything about it. The Arizal doesn't seem to know anything about it. So what's shot? So that goes to the last one of the reasons that is floated as to why people, why people, why they would not know, and we'll, and we'll get that in a sec. i got to get back, I owe you card playing. Card playing, we have some very interesting ages that they played cards at the time. Other than the, than the Sam Cypress Trouver that says they were playing cards. Other than the apostates mentioning they were playing cards. There is a 1708 rule from, see, we think that, you know, Takona's passing is a new thing, or Takona's for community uh, sumptuary laws or new things. They go back basically since as early as the early Rishonim. There were versions in Vizagayim already that, you know, let's keep people in line and try to keep um, ostentatious things down to a minimum. But one of the things they were worried about was people playing cards. So there is a rule in Germany published in around 1708 that was you can't play cards except you can play cards on Christmas because we realize you need the dispensation to do that. The other interesting um, edis we have about card playing comes from a very strange source. It comes from the Sefer Hisafkos from the Yavis. He is quoting. He is quoting Wolf Eibschitz. 
Wolf Eibschitz was Yonison Eibschitz's son. L'chol Hadeis, even to those who don't think who L'chol Hadeis, he himself was a Sabbatean. He he claimed to be. He had no qualms about hiding it. He was a fascinating figure, but he was very very much a follower of Shabbat Zvi, and he complains. I'm just looking for the Russian. He complains that people are playing cards, that tons of people are playing cards, the exact Russian, something to the effect of, when the night, they're playing cards and, and games. So you see, even in his time, and he, he wasn't, you know, out to hide anything, he, he kind of laid everything bare, and he was saying, look, look, everyone plays cards. It's, it's a thing. Um, so we've got this group of minhagim. We've got the you know no learning, no mikvah, garlic cards, reading told the Yeshu. How do they all tie together? So the academic answer that's floated is kind of a mix of all of them that we've heard so far, but it's more of a populist one. It seems that Christmas, the way we view Christmas today. Christmas is an ever-evolving holiday, and what we view as today with the you know, big fat guy with a big white beard, I mean, aside from the fact that that's really uh, an invention of the marketing people from Coke in the 50s, um, Christmas in different parts of the world looks differently. So there is, there is a atus, once again, back to the apostles. Because remember, they're the ones who have no problem telling us what the facts on the ground were, and there's, there's always, to be fair, there's always, you should always take what they say with some sort of grain of salt because they did have an axe to grind. But if you know what axe they have to grind, you can discount for it. And they, there's an, any number of sources. I'm not going through anywhere remotely near all of them. But there is one source from, one source from, also early 1600s, where they're trying to, what's your name? Johann Wolfer, so late 1600s, early 1700s, he says that all of these, he brings down that the women and kids had these ideas of, because we're mixed, they get, they hear their, they hear the tales from their Catholic neighbors, and what are the tales they hear? It is the custom of Christian girl, women and girls to walk in front of the houses on Christmas Eve, dress all in white, and ring bells. As a result of this, fear overtakes Christian children, and they scream bitterly, so their fathers come to them and say, Don't be afraid. It is only the Christkin coming. Stay and approach him, touch him, pray to him, and he will not harm you. On the contrary, he will give you nice gifts, fruits and sweet things, or good clothes. But, if you don't know your stuff, yesterday a terror came and I was scared. The Christian kid, if I hadn't prayed, he would have killed me. And on the strength of the account, the Jewish kids are also frightened, and without a doubt, their mother suggests this nonsense. What is he talking about? And it's not super clear, and you have to go through, she goes through all of the, the different areas in Europe, but it seems that there were competing ideas of what happened Christmas time in Europe at the time. There is the, it's great, it's happy, it's wonderful, everyone should celebrate Yoshka, and that's it. And then there's the, the souls of the damned come back to life and wander the streets of, of, of the town, and an old man named Peter Crumpets. There's, there's about a half a dozen names of a really, and people would dress up in these in these car, in these costumes, and they would pretend that they were, you know, the hounds would come back, and they would yell at the kids, 
do you know your prayers and if you know your prayers great you'll get toys uh, you better not watch out you better watch out you better not cry Santa Claus why would you be crying if the guy's coming and giving you gifts because in the old days in, in roughly the 17th century there was this idea that Santa wasn't necessarily a nice guy if he didn't know your stuff he'd, he'd beat you up he'd scare the little kids so there also seems to have been um, so then there's also this idea that there are dead souls that come back to to haunt everybody and, dre- and people would dress up in these clothes and they would, what do you call it? So she tries to make the argument that if they saw people walking around and Martin Luther tried to con- conflate the two into one time period and say, look, don't stretch this out over a month and, and what do you call it, just keep everything to Christmas Eve and that's it. And when you have that, you have either the, the leap to say that Yoshka comes back as opposed to just dead bodies and, and people hounding, you know, lost souls or whatnot, is, is not a huge leap, partly because they have a version of a Christ kid or a Christ who comes back and is visiting the children. As we saw in the first apostate who mentions it, he says that Yoshka is coming back and going through all of the latrines and, and, the, and the toilets, and he says there's other ages that say people didn't want to go out into the, to the bathroom, um, that night because they were afraid that Jesus was going to come out of the toilet and eat them. So it, it seems relatively widespread that there was an idea that, I mean, we have tons of, I mean, Gemara says that he's punished in, in, in feces. The Tobit Yeshu mentions more than once that he, when he was punished, he was dragged through the, through the toilet. There's this theme of feces that keeps going. The, I mean, it wouldn't be a mythical share if we didn't say a of mind, so... So the Shinover used to say every year on on Nittel, he would say over this Mises and the Maral. King at, king at the time of the of the Maral was walking in the forest and he came across a cave. And in the cave they found a stack of papers. And they couldn't read the papers. So they asked around, Oh, it's in Hebrew. Go get the Maral. We'll, we'll he'll tell us what's in it. Maral picks up the papers and he blanches and he's like, Ah, so the king says, okay, what is it? He says, well, it's the transcripts of the Sanhedrin from when they, they um, passed in on Jesus. And he's like, get real. He's like, that, that's not it. He says, no, no, that, that's what it is. So the king says, okay, you've got three days to prove that's what this is. How do you prove that that's what this is? So the morale brings Yoshka back to life, and he comes carrying a pot of feces, and... They bring him in front of the king, and the king says, okay, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus. And he says, okay, is that what this says? And he says, yes. And he says, is this the story? He says, yes. This is the story? He says, okay, fine. So the Maral tells him, okay, go back into the feces. And why is he in feces? Because he didn't listen to the Rabbanim. So in similar fashion, he doesn't listen to the Maral. The Maral pushes him to put him into the feces. And Shinnever said, and that's why for the rest of his life, the Maral, because he touched Jesus with his hands, he had a problem with his hands for the rest of his life. There is zero Makar, as far as I can tell, for this story, anywhere outside of the Shinnever and whichever Rebbe he's quoting it from. Um, I don't remember exactly which Rebbe he's quoting it from. But it's not in the Flies of Maral. It's not, it's not with the Golden stories. It, it, it's a story. But you see that the concept that Yashka comes back with species is a thing. Um, so, okay, great. So now you've got Yashka coming back, people trying to stay indoors, but what about not learning and no Tashmish, how does that fit in with her theory? Because we need to answer up all of them in Hagen. Turns out that at least in Bohemia, 
Well, actually, it was considered a Lenten period, so for the month of December, you couldn't. Um, sex was banned anyway in most churches, so that was out. In Romania, it was believed that if a person had relations on Christmas Eve, the children would either become uh, a werewolf or someone who came back to life later to cause problems. So we've got the Tashmashak angle. Staying inside, we've already said why they're staying inside, because they're scared about what's going on outside. Garlic, well, they did garlic for the exact same reasons. If you're trying to keep away werewolves and vampires and other bad things, they would, there's aides that they ate garlic. And what about not going out to church? I mean, we, we assume, based on the safety arguments or all the other arguments, that people went to church then. Not exactly. It depends where you were. There were entire areas, like in Bulgaria, for instance, the official church activities ground to a halt during the 12 days of Christmas. During these days, there were no patrols, weddings, baptisms, the event of a death. Only burial could be performed, while all the obligatory Christian rites would be performed after the conclusion of the Christmas season. Because according to popular belief, during the 12 days of Christmas, not only were Christian rites meaningless and ineffectual because of all the, the dark forces that were happening, in performing them, they increased the maleficent effect of the evil forces. Kind of sounds familiar. Increasing the evil forces. So, this is just an academic idea that, that's floated. It's not the same as the, the Kabbalah idea, the safety idea, the Avelis idea. So, just to tie this up, because it's going long. Um, so, we've got these ideas. We've got a minute that doesn't have an a obvious answer. So, what is the point here of, this, of what we've done here? So, there's a cute line that they, they say with Nithal is that there was a guy in Bubba who went to one of the oven cultures and they asked him, he says, you're learning, it's Nithal, this is why you're learning. So the guy smirks and he says, I want to know what Big Adam's like for a guy who learns on Nithal. You know, come on. And the guy looks at him and says, the Gehenim's not for, for learning on Nithal. The Gehenim is for being the vase of the Menhagim of your father. And the guy shot his gumar. Like, okay, I get it. Menhagim are what they are. And whether you're Yeki or you're, and you're, you have your shitas, you're Tzvardi and you have your shitas. The fact that such a minig exists, it of itself is minig Yisrael Tyra. It has effects. There are any number of minhagim that we do that have really, really interesting and some of them, you know, less basis than others. But the Rishonim are consistent. Minig can sometimes trump halacha. The study of a minig to understand where it comes from only helps us and... Hopefully, we, you know, there's a lot more. I am cutting out an enormous amount of information that, that can be, you know, go in this and just want to have murky on you guys. But hopefully, we can understand that Minhagam are special and that we should be able to dice up to understand more. And through that, we will be, you know, time whatever mitzvahs and kaisas that are good, not bad. And here, Menu Amen.